To follow Jesus is not a casual endeavor. It requires action rooted in faith and knowledge. Hi, I'm Femi Osibin, a preacher for the Church of Christ. Thank you for tuning in to today's sermon, Following Jesus, taken from Matthew 8, 18-26. In this sermon, we look at the depth of what following Jesus entails. Hopefully, at our baptism, when we decided to follow Christ, we fully understood the commitment we undertook. And if not, this sermon affords us the opportunity to think through it and see if we're truly following Jesus or not. In today's modern society with the social media, if you follow somebody, all you got to do is hit a button and you'll be abreast of everything that they do, all of the information that they put out, their thoughts. But that hasn't always been the case. To follow is a verb, means action, means you have to put some intention behind it, means that you are actually keeping up with the person in some physical nature. And so, as we were singing this song, I have decided to follow Jesus. That means that I have decided to actually put some actions behind the decision I made to follow Jesus. We see this word being utilized in the passage after Jesus has given the Sermon on the Mount. He's come down and he has performed these miracles, which we looked at the past couple of weeks with the healing of Peter's mother-in-law, with the healing of the uh, centurion servant, and the healing of the uh, leper. And now we have come across a part to where we have some people who have decided to follow Jesus. And what's interesting about that is, as if you think about these two groups of people, those who have decided to follow Jesus, they have put more effort into their dedication to Christ. You see, we're, we're aware of people who believe in Jesus, who come to Jesus for a blessing, but there is something different about those whom the Bible calls disciples who actually put some effort behind that belief and who say, I want to follow Jesus, and it's not just I need a Blessing, I need a miracle. I need something for Jesus in this one instance. Most of the world is like that. But those who have put on Christ have said, I want to follow Jesus. And those who have done that, Jesus, he actually gives us some things to consider in following him. Because it's not like following a tweet, following somebody on Facebook, to where all we have to do is know the latest thing they said, be aware of their last move or whatever they're endorsing. This is actually a way of life. And Jesus is well aware of this, and he wants us to consider these things if we're going to follow him, because following Jesus means we're forsaking everything else. We're going to read a small section in Matthew. It's going to help us to think through this 
notion of following the Christ. And that starts at verse number 18 in the eighth chapter. Now, when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave commandments to depart unto the other side. And a certain scribe came and said unto him, Master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not nowhere to lay his head. And another of his disciples said unto him, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said unto him, follow me and let the dead bury their dead. And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he said unto them, Why are you fearful, all ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. We're very familiar with these stories, this passage of Scripture. But they all have one thread in them that connects them. And that's this concept of following Jesus. You see, it starts off with the scribe who understands and recognizes that there's something about this Christ. And he sees that Jesus is departing. And what he says, I will follow thee. But Jesus says, hold on. Before you choose to follow me, know that where I'm going, there's a lot of uncertainty. I do not have a set place to lay my head. I do not have a house to call home. I am in a position unlike animals that you're very familiar with. Foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests. But if you're going to follow me, know that I have nowhere to lay my head. Consider that. Jesus, so dedicated in doing the will of God that he forgoes the comforts that even creatures have to be able to be where God wants him to be no matter where that is. But if we're considering now, we must also consider that when this gospel was first written and distributed amongst the Christians and it was read, they didn't break it down like we did. Probably they probably just read a large section. And what we will be coming off of is coming off the heels of the Sermon on the Mount. And in that passage, Jesus gets to talking about at one time. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about your clothes. Don't worry about these things in life. Why? Because you have a father in heaven who's going to take care of you. And he loves you. And he clothes the grass more splendidly than he did Solomon. 
so we don't have to worry about nothing. But if we don't have to worry about nothing, also translates into I must be comfortable with being uncomfortable. If you're going to follow me, you're not going to go back home. There is no set destination. It's unlike what the bird's security is. It's unlike the comforts of the foxes who knows where to go at night, who have a set location to be at. So if you're going to follow me, you have to be willing to go wherever I go. You have to be willing to trust God through this process and know you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. That there's a certainty in God's provisions when you're uncertain about how it's going to manifest itself. You see, a lot of people want to follow because they haven't fully considered what that looks like. They don't really think through the whole notion that if I give up my life for Christ, then that means I have no control over what tomorrow looks like. That means I have no certainty that I will have the things that I want in life. But Jesus says that's okay. I'm just letting you know that that's how it's going to be. The question is, do you still want to follow? We see that Jesus tells him this and there's no response. And it's just open-ended. And I think what that does is it lets us know that once we get past this step of coming to Christ just to bless us, to meet us at a need that we have in that specific moment, and we get real serious about following Christ, that we have to make a decision. And we have to be willing to go wherever he goes, not knowing where that's going to take us, but knowing that he's going to be there. And then what happens after we're confronted with this notion that this concept of what it means to follow Jesus, that there is this disciple of his. Now, you see how it's getting closer and closer to Jesus. First, it's the scribe who sees that Jesus is leaving this crowd and he says, oh, hold on. I want to follow you because you're leaving the crowd. Let me go be where you're at. I don't know where I'm going to go. Do you still want to follow? And now it's the disciple. Somebody who has dedicated themselves to being a student of Christ. And he says, first, let me go bury my father. And what does Jesus say? Follow me and let the dead bury their dead. Now, that's a harsh statement at face value. Jesus telling somebody that their father has died and don't even worry about that. Just follow me. Let the dead bury their dead. But what he is telling them is if you're following me, you're actually going to realign your relationships in this life. Because there's only two groups of people. There's the living and then there's the dead. The living are defined by their status with God and their relationship to each other in Jesus Christ. 
The dead are those who have no relationship in Christ. And if we're going to follow Christ, we must align ourselves with Jesus and be willing to sever ourselves from those relationships that have no common washing of the blood. No baptism was partaken of by those who are dead. And so what we have to recognize is that if we follow Christ, if we consider ourselves a disciple, that our relationships are not defined by earthly, but by spiritual standards. And that's hard. Your father, the very person whom you came into this world from, Jesus is saying, don't worry about him. You can do nothing for him because he's dead. And let those who are also dead tend to his body because they're in the same shape. But we also get in another passage where Jesus says, if you are going to be my disciple, if you are going to follow me, you're going to have to learn to hate your mother, hate your father, and love me. What's he saying? You are going to have to get to a point to where you can realign your relationship with me so that all other relationships do not compete. But the beautiful thing about that is as you read the Sermon on the Mount, the very thing that we do in loving Christ is love others. So we go the extra mile. So we give to those who need. So we, we are willing to take the humble position even when we know that a person is taking advantage of us because of our relationship with Christ. And we only do that because we recognize who we are in him. And it's not that we hate the people that are not in Christ. It's that we see ourselves properly in Christ to where we do not allow our relationship with them to cause us to be less than who God wants us to be. So we follow him, realign our relationships with God in Christ Jesus and detach ourselves from the relationships that are not going to cause us to live up to the Christian standard that he would have us to have. It kind of makes you see it a little bit different now. Because what can you do for somebody who's dead? Nothing. What is the funeral really for? The funeral is for the people who are living. And if we're so attached to the dead that we put them over Christ, then we really are not disciples. We're really not following. We're really not who God is calling us to be. Because if we follow Christ while a person is alive and we have some type of earthly relationship with them, we're going to mirror who God is trying to call all people to be. And hopefully that relationship would lead them to Christ so they wouldn't be dead anymore. They would actually be alive. They would actually be our brother or sister in Christ. Why? Because 
are following Christ led them to Christ as well. And they received the life that we now have as Christians. But we can only do that when we align our wills with God's and we follow Christ so much so that our earthly relationships do not prohibit us from being who Christ wants us to be because we follow him. It's about the actions we put forward into being the people he wants us to be. And in this last little passage, we're very familiar with it. Jesus and the disciples now, it's a little bit more intimate. They're in a boat. And one would think that Jesus has no concern for them because now he's gone down and he's fell on the sleep and then there's a storm. But they followed him into that boat. And the storm comes. And they're surprised. And what is interesting about this is that some of these are fishermen. And you would think they'd be comfortable on the water. That they'd been experienced storms in their their lives at a point or two. But there was something about this storm that shook them to the core. But I think this storm was purposeful. And that Jesus going to sleep was intentional. Because as they followed him, what they really needed to learn was the depth of faith that they must have. They knew the foxes have holes, the birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. They were with him. They knew that they let the dead bury the dead. But what they had to learn was that no matter what's going on in this world, if you're with Jesus, even if he appears not to be concerned, even if he feels you think he's sleeping on the job, you're okay. That storm could come in life. And if you're following Jesus, if you've actually gotten out into this life and you've taken that journey with him and you've gone and you left the world behind because you're seeking the kingdom of heaven, that no matter where you find yourselves, even if it's at sea in a boat and the world has just gone crazy and the winds are rocking that boat, the wind has come and you don't know if you're going to make it. If you're with Christ, you're okay. You don't need to worry. Why? Because you follow him. Because he's with you, even if he has gone to sleep on that boat. And he needs us to know that. He needs us to be secure in that. Because we shouldn't be shaken shaken so easily by the things that happen in this life. Because Jesus has already told us that God cares for us. He's going to provide for us. Jesus has already demonstrated that we are his new family. 
that we don't have to worry about the relationships that we're leaving behind because in one passage he tells us whatever you leave behind in this life you will get a hundredfold in the next life and he let us know that the gates of hell cannot prevail against this church that death cannot keep us from the promise that we have in Christ Jesus So no matter what is going on, when we decide to follow Jesus, we also decide to have faith at a deeper level than just coming for a miracle, than just believing that Jesus can and Jesus will, but believing, knowing that when I'm on this journey with Christ, no matter what's going on in the world, no matter how it looks, no matter how I feel, I am safe. And we appear to have reached a point of time in our history that it's no telling what's going to happen tomorrow. That we're on this ship with Christ. And the storms are brewing. And everybody is saying this is coming. This storm is about to hit us. That this tragedy is about to shake us. That this calamity is going to throw us off of our our bases. But we have decided to follow Jesus. And none of that matters. Why? Why? Because even if we think that he's asleep and not paying attention, he's in control. And we have nothing to worry about. The only thing that we have to consider is, are we following Jesus? Because it's more than just what the Centurion demonstrated the leper. It's more akin to Peter, a little bit of what Peter's mother-in-law had. Remember how when Jesus blessed her, she gets up and she serves him. Peter has, it appears, left his wife and mother-in-law behind to go follow Christ. And now he's at a point to where it seems like everything has gone crazy and I'm about to die with this man who claims to be the Savior. I've seen him do these miracles. But this storm is something different because that's hitting me personally. But that's okay because I'm following him. I'm putting action behind my faith and letting God take control. I don't know where it's going to lead me tomorrow, but I know that if I go with Christ, he'll be there and I will be provided for. I will be okay. I don't have to know and that's the beauty of it because when I do know, I don't even have the power to manifest everything that I want to happen. Why? Because it's beyond me. So I put faith in God. And God tells me to follow his son. 
And since I've done that, I don't have to worry. I realign the relationships in my life so that nothing interferes with me living up to the standard that Christ has set. Why? Because I recognize that there's only two groups of people, the living and the dead. And I want to be found amongst the living when Jesus Christ comes back so that I can live with him eternally. Because if I don't do that, then I'm dead. And while I might receive a blessing every now and again, because I believe that Jesus can have it, if I don't put some action behind my faith and actually become a disciple and follow him no matter where it takes me, I will not be able to enter into his kingdom when he comes to call all of his back to him in heaven. Following Christ, it's more than a notion. It's really a mandate. Something that all those who have put on Christ in baptism must do. And there's an interesting question that Jesus poses to his disciples when they get scared in the storm. Why are you fearful? Oh, ye a little faith. Why do we fear when things in life don't go as we planned if we're following Christ? Why do we let this life cause us to be less than what Jesus demands of us if we say we have faith in him? Is it that our faith is not where it needs to be? If so, grow it. But you know what happened? Jesus will calm that storm. And he'll help you get to where he wants you to be. Just follow him. No matter where you're at. Follow him. Put some action behind your belief. And the more you step out there with Christ, the more he'll take care of you. The more you trust that he's going to provide for you and you don't worry so much about providing for yourself, the more that'll happen. The more you learn to sever ties from these people in the world that is not going to help you to live up to the spiritual standard that Christ will have you to live at, the more he will form you into his image. And the less you worry about what's going on in this world, the more Jesus will show you he's in control. Let's just follow Christ. It's nothing spectacular about the message. Very simple. But it's something that we have to make a decision 
and put our actions behind. Because we live in a world that says up is down, left is right, front is back. And that follow is nothing but be aware of what somebody said. When actuality, to follow Christ, takes more than just reading the Bible. It takes living it. It takes more than just coming to church on Sunday. It takes being the church each day. And it takes more than just asking God to bless you when you're going through troubles. It takes always living your life as if you're with Christ and not being shaken when things don't necessarily go your way. I'm not sure where you're at, but I do know that this is a crazy time in our history. We are not too sure about what tomorrow's gonna hold, why? Because the world is in turmoil. We're looking for a new normal. And until that comes, we have the consistent Christ who has not forsaken us. So no matter what happens and no matter what that new normal becomes for the world, let us remain faithful and be who Jesus calls us to be and demonstrate faith, not little faith. Don't be fearful and we'll come out ahead because he's in control. And we're his disciples. So that means that we have decided to learn his ways and to practice them. Disciple. In that, there's a word discipline. We must discipline ourselves to be as Christ is calling us to be. And discipline is a very difficult, difficult task at times. Why? Because when you discipline, you have to work on the parts that are hard for you. But we can do it because God has put his spirit in us. And he's going to help us to be where he wants us to be. Let's continue to follow Christ. Let's continue to trust that he's providing for us. Let's continue to sever off all the relationships that that are leading to nothing. Let's continue to trust him no matter how bad the storm gets. And when it's all said and done, heaven will be our home. And my prayer and hope is that our relationships built in this congregation contribute to the growth of faith in each and every individual. And when we get to heaven, we will all see each other there and be thankful that we got to share a little bit of time on earth together. I'm not sure where that sermon leaves you. My prayer is that you will contemplate it and incorporate it into your Christian life. If you're not a Christian, I ask, what's stopping you? 
God sent his son, Jesus, to freely extend the gift of salvation to all who will follow him. To get that salvation, one must follow the example set out in scripture. The book of Acts, which details the church's beginnings and expansion, shows us biblical examples of those who were saved. A good place to look is in Acts 2. You get Peter preaching the first gospel sermon and the response of those who heard and believed his message. They repented and were baptized, which added them to the church Christ established. The Bible only teaches of one church. If you want to be added to it, go to your local church of Christ and tell them your desire to be washed of your sins and to live a godly life. Study your Bible, put its teachings to practice, and you will make heaven your home.